Welcome everyone to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Hello everyone, this is Ray McKinley. Welcome to Ride the Elephant Today, our weekly podcast. We're really glad you joined us today. We've been talking over the last few weeks about why we make the decisions we make and more of a philosophical perspective about why we decide to do what we do, why we choose the things we do. Oftentimes it's to please other people and to conform to what we think other people expect of us. So one of the things I want to talk with you about today, Brian, and include the audience in this, is specifically, you know, how do we make that change? Or how do we catch ourselves in our mischief? And then what do we do about it? So, you know, last time we talked about values clarification, and one of the things I think we value or would be a, a healthy value to consider is the value to transition to a behavior which is more edifying to yourself and pleasing to others. And I would like to have that conversation. This is more of what we can do logistically to move the needle and moving from the left side of the dichotomy or what I call the red side of the dichotomy to the blue side of the dichotomy. And as I do this, and as we have this conversation, it's not so much that I have a prescription for you that you need to do in order to be a better person. I don't have that tool or that magic wand. However, if you have a desire, as I have had, to be a better person, if you have a desire to have more effective relationships, as I have, if you've had a desire to be a better boss, as I have, if you have a desire to be a better employee, as I have, then there's things you can do with intention. We've talked a lot about putting intention on making a shift. It first of all, it requires an examination. It second of all, it requires an intention to change. And what does that change look like? So we've talked about this change, Brian, but I want to get specific. So... Today, I want to talk about red friends and blue friends and which one you are. We oftentimes find ourselves on this dichotomy somewhere in the middle. I always say we're always shades of purple because none of us are totally red and none of us are totally blue when it comes to our behavioral choices. I always strive to be more blue. Or I don't always achieve that. But I can catch myself in my mischief and say, all right, this is a time I wasn't the best of friends that I could have been. So what can I have done differently? So, Brian, do you have any comments that you would like to add as we set the table and start this conversation? Can you restate simply, what is a dichotomy? What is the red side of the dichotomy and the blue side of the dichotomy? I'd be happy to do that. Probably the best way to describe a dichotomy that I have found is the hate-love dichotomy. So we fall in an area where we might hate somebody, and I consider that to be a red side of the dichotomy. And we have the same for the right side. I'd call that the love side of the dichotomy. So it's this set of emotions we have and feelings we have and choices we make and behavior we make around hate and love. So hate is on the red side of the dichotomy and love is on the blue side of the dichotomy. And the other example could be 
sad and happy. Sad would be on the red side of the dichotomy and happy would be on the blue side of the dichotomy. So are we always really sad? Are we always really happy? We're oftentimes in some area in the middle. Some days we maybe are a little more sad. Some days we're a little more happy. And what can we do with intention to have more of the happy side manifest itself in our behavior and in our relationships? So that's how the dichotomy works. The dichotomy is a set of emotions which has a less than positive side or a negative side, which is what I call red, and the blue is one where it's more positive. And the reason I like red is because for me, red symbolizes the stop sign. So when I start having behavior that's more red, I think, stop, stop, Ray, don't go there, don't get angry, don't be judgmental, don't be critical, don't start telling somebody what they should do. They're living their life, they're doing the best they can with the awareness they have, so just back off, stop. And then what can I do that will better serve the person in my relationships? I would rather be in relationship or would I rather be right? Oftentimes we'd rather be right, and I see that for me with the behavior that I would say that's on the red side, where it's more important for me to be in relationship, and I would call that more of a blue response. This is two behaviors or two concepts that are kind of the opposite of each other, and we're somewhere in the middle choosing between the two. Yes, that'd be a classic dichotomy. Okay. Yeah. So when I think of red friendships, I call them a lot of times they're complaint ships. And you had made fun of me sometimes of the word salads that I put together when I take two different words and make a new word. And here's another one for you, Brian, so you can weigh in on it. I call it a complaint ship because oftentimes our friends are our sounding boards for our complaints. And sometimes as soon as we see a friend, we immediately go to, what am I going to complain about? Because that friend triggers us to complain because that's what that relationship has been, a complaint ship. So, you know, they might say, how are you doing today? Oh, the weather sucks today. You know, oh, it was terrible. The traffic was bad. This jerk almost ran me off the road today. What an idiot. You know, people just don't know how to drive anymore. It drives me crazy. Or they might go into something more personal like, I hate my hair. Or I'm in one of those moods today. Lucy didn't get her job done again, and I have to do it. And, you know, all these comments that seem to come up. You hear this so much today is, John can be such an idiot. So you can see a friend that you haven't seen in a while, or maybe you saw him yesterday and you're seeing him today, and the first thing he said, how are you doing? Ah, John is such an idiot. You know, John could be your boss, could be your husband, could be a friend. He's such an idiot. You know, it's like, okay, here goes our complaint ship. I would call that a red relationship, a red behavior that I'm choosing to have as I go into this conversation with another person. Can you relate to that, Brian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we always greet people with, how are you? So there's a lot of people who might want to think about that for a second. Maybe say, good to see you, <laughs> instead of asking them how they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How they are they're going to just launch into the... Well, sometimes we ask how a person is because they know they're going to launch into it because we're setting ourselves up for our complaint. So if we ask them first and they start complaining, now we have permission to lay on our complaints on them. So it's a complaint fest. It just goes back and forth. And this is the basis of the relationship. A, a psychologist might call these 
codependent relationships. They just don't support each other in a positive way. And it's a choice. It's a choice you take into your relationship. What kind of conversations are you going to have? Is it going to be a lot of complaining and comparison and gossip? Or is it going to be something different than that? And you say, well, how do you break that pattern? I think contrarily, and what I really tried to do is, I try to be more blue. And one of the things that I do to do that is I'm more affirming. I think of coming into a conversation and I'm thinking, well, how can I affirm anybody or even the person I'm talking to in a way that causes us to start our conversation on a more positive note? So sometimes I can start a conversation by being more grateful. I think one of the things that I have really used a lot is starting the conversation with gratefulness. I had a patient in this week and it struck me because I always found this patient to be very enjoyable to have a conversation with. I mean, coming to the dentist isn't fun all the time, but this person, she came in and she's always very positive, always very excited. And I had noticed, and I actually said something to her and I said, you know, you're really fun to have come in. And I really enjoy you because you always seem so grateful. Seem so grateful for being here and grateful for us and grateful for your life. And she perks up and she looks at me. Wow, you noticed that. And I said, yeah, I do notice it. And she showed me her bracelet. And on her bracelet was the letters G-R-A-T-E-F-U-L-N-E-S-S. And it was spelled out, the word gratefulness. And she showed it to me. And I said, well, isn't that interesting? So tell me a little bit about the bracelet. And she started to say, well, this was my way of reminding myself that I need to start with gratitude. I said, wow, how did you go about deciding to do that? Well, I just found that I was just having a lot of negative behavior. I was making a lot of negative choices and I was in conversations with people that were negative and I just decided I was going to start approaching those conversations from a different standpoint. So this helped remind me and trigger me to be grateful. So I always start my conversations with gratitude. And I said, wow, it really shows. He said, well, thanks for noticing because it's something I really put intention on trying to change. And it's really made a huge difference for me in my life. I told her, well, it's made a huge difference in my life just to have you share that story with me. I didn't tell her I wrote a book about this. And you know, this is a classic red to blue behavior transition. I didn't get into that with her, but I was really recognizing that she did it on her own and she didn't even have to read my book to do it. She did it on her own because she saw the negative side of what I call red behavior. She calls it negativity. And then she said, I was being more positive. And the trigger word for that was gratefulness. Your thoughts about that, Brian? It's funny. Andrew Huberman was just on Joe Rogan recently and he's, um, well, I don't know. I guess he's a neuroscientist. I'm not really sure specifically what he is, but they have a very, you know, health-oriented conversation, and this is part of it. He talks about the science and research of gratitude. It's real, and receiving gratitude is really, really, really beneficial for you, and being grateful is really beneficial. So you're not the only one who has noticed that this is worth trying out, certainly. I think that for me personally, it's really hard to be grateful sometimes until you start doing it and you find the pattern of things that you're grateful for. 
probably find that the things that you're grateful for can be recurring. So in addition to recurring pain and recurring loneliness or recurring loss or grief, you'll also find that there's certain people in your life who are bright and uplifting and have a great sense of humor, for example. So to be honest with yourself about how difficult things can be has to always be balanced with appreciation for the good things that are going on. And I recently had an interaction with a small group of people who do a gratefulness moment at the beginning of every meal, which is something that I had really only done at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. where you know, in a prayer circle, everybody's allowed to jump in and say what they're grateful for. And these people were doing that every time they sat down. We all held hands and mentioned something that we were grateful for. And I was yes. like, that's cool. And in recent conversations that I've had with some of my closer friends, they'll ask me how I'm doing. And I'm honest with them. But I found that if I balance it out with, but I'm glad to be talking to you now, and I'm glad to have you as a friend. And this thing that happened, that I'm learning this thing from the pain and suffering that I'm having, so that I'm grateful for, that always turns the conversation in a positive direction. Always. I mean, always. It never has not worked. To insert that gratefulness into the conversation, it always makes the conversation a better one. And it's not rife with complaints, is what I mean. Yeah, it's really neat. You know, a few years ago, uh, it's been about 10 years now, I really started to recognize that if we wanted our patients, our customers in our office to experience and express gratitude for the care that we were giving for them, we had to start by expressing gratitude for them even coming into the office. And so we started to do that. We started to express gratitude with intention for the patients that walk in. In fact, we've grown to this point where we start our morning huddle, where we review the patients coming in. And we talk briefly about what happened the day before. And one of the first questions is, how did we show gratitude to patients yesterday? Give an example. We go around and each person gives an example of how they did that. And then we ask the next question, who are we going to show gratitude toward today? And we then start looking at the patients that are scheduled to come in and people are saying, well, let's show her gratitude for this and let's show her gratitude for that. So we actually start our huddle in the morning in a spirit of gratitude. And it makes a huge difference because what happens is people start leaving the office and expressing gratitude for being there instead of saying, God, I'm glad I have that done with now. And it's really made a huge difference. You know, when I first started this, I was teaching a seminar at a dental conference and it happened to be in Hawaii. I was there. I was talking about the science of gratitude. That was my topic. I had it all done. I was all ready to present it. And I decided at four in the morning to get up out of my hotel room and look up and see what else is out there. You know, I haven't really hadn't seen much out there about that topic. And I put in the science of gratitude. 
And what pops up was this Robert Emmons, a professor at the University of California, Davis. He comes up and he talks about, he has a book called The Science of Gratitude. And he had a little YouTube thing there. And I listened to it and I thought, man, this is really cool. He's actually talking about what I've talked about. So what I kind of got and learned through the experience of just making the shift, he was talking about actually scientific evidence how it changed the endorphins in the body and changed the hormonal changes and all the benefits that the science of gratitude. And he talked about a gratitude journal and how important a gratitude journal was. And I'm thinking, wow, I've been writing a gratitude journal for a while. So it was very interesting to see that science was catching up with the awarenesses of how important these things are. You know, this has been timeless knowledge that we just seem to set aside and we don't really pay enough attention to the importance of being grateful because we're so focused on the negations that are rattling around in our mind. And it's very hard for us to think of how grateful we are because we have all these negative side talk happening or negative internal dialogue that's happening. So we end up really not paying attention to how important being grateful is. I found that very interesting. And so it's been a wonderful journey for me to recognize how important that is. And it's been transformational in my relationships with my patients and relationship with my staff. So, you know, I'll say something else about that. I had an employee come to me last night at the end of my day, and I want to be a little careful about being sensitive about this. She's been really a temporary employee. She's struggling. She'd really like to stay on with us because she just really enjoys the office. She read my book and she just says it's the greatest book she ever read and she was being very complimentary. But she said, I understand that I'm not going to be a fit here. I need to go on and find another job. So I want to do that. But I just want to say to you how grateful I am for everything I've learned here and how grateful I am for what you've meant to me. Because my son and I, and she has a special needs son who's an adult and she still cares for. And she said, this has been transformational for our relationship. And we've devoured your book, we've devoured your information, and it's been life-changing. And she couldn't express enough gratitude for it. And what was interesting was she came from a placement service. And I've talked to the placement service three times since she's been temping for us. And the placement service says, well, what do you think? Why won't she fit in? She loves you. She loves the office. Why won't she fit in? And I said, well, I'm just not going to say anything negative about her. Well, there's got to be something. And I said, no. I'm not going to say anything negative about her because she's a wonderful person. She has a great heart. She just really cares a lot about patients. She cares a lot about people. But sometimes it's just not a match. And in this case, it's just not a match. And she kept trying to pull out of me something to say about her. And I just couldn't do it. And I just didn't do it. I found that surprising to me that I have kind of have come to a point where that's so important to me. I wanted to say something to this employment agent that was edifying to the young lady instead of beating her up. So everything I said was positive. She said, I've never heard anybody decide not to hire somebody with so many positive reasons about the person they're not wanting to hire. (laughs) (laughs) I said, well, and then, of course, she came in and told me yesterday that she found another job and she's going to pick it up in two weeks. And she said, can I still stay in here and work for two weeks? I said, absolutely, you can. And she just couldn't say enough about how much she loved us and loved the office and loved what she's learned. And thinking, this is all because we start with gratitude. 
instead of it being a poisonous relationship and having could go negative in so many ways and say negative things about us when she left the office. Yeah, I don't, I, I couldn't work there. You know, they just didn't train me. They weren't very friendly. She's never going to say anything like that. She's only going to say positive things, which is awesome. So you really create those things in your world. And that's what we're trying to encourage your listener to listen to today is when you come from a place of the blue side of this dichotomy, you perpetuate the blueness in other people. You pull out their blueness. It may not happen right away. It does take time. But eventually you can pull up their gratefulness side. And they, instead of thinking negatively, they start thinking of positive ways they can support the relationship. Even when the relationship is ending, as it was with this young lady in our office. So, any thoughts about that, Brian? That's a interesting interaction. I recently was working with someone who I was really having a hard time with. And at the end of the week, it was a temporary gig. So that when it was over, I told our boss, I was like, you know what? This person really like, felt like difficult for me to deal with. I was like, expect an email from me. So I wrote an email complaining about this person. And I never sent that email because... I just decided that all of my frustrations were subjectively my own frustrations. As real as it was, and probably objectively, she's not the greatest asset for this group, this person that I had written the email about, I just ultimately decided this wasn't my problem to solve. And I haven't written an antithetical gratefulness email, but at the very least, I never sent that complaint email. So I feel like that is a continuum moment, right? Where I'm not on the gratefulness side, but I'm not on the complaining side either. I'm right in the middle, you know? No, that's a very valuable lesson, Brian. I had numerous times as I was teaching this material about the importance of this dichotomy and where are you falling on that? I had a young man who was really bothered by something that kept coming through in his writings about some of these topics we were talking about because that was part of their assignment to write about how it was affecting them in their life. And one of the things he kept talking about is how angry he was and how bitter he was at his older cousin. Now, his older cousin was just a couple years older than he was. And this was in a multi-generational family business, a very successful business. And this older cousin had kind of the leg up on him in, in the business at this point. So he had to pay his dues and he was not happy about that. And he wasn't happy the way he was being treated by his older cousin. So I asked him to write out a letter to him and put it all out there to tell him everything that's bothering you, write it out, put all the poison in it that you want to put in it. And I said, but promise me, never send it. If you feel like you want to send it to anybody, send it to me, your instructor, but never send it to him. And he did it. And then a couple weeks later, I asked him to write another letter, this time writing a forgiveness letter, forgiving him for the things that had happened, whatever happens. And he wrote that. As it ended up, to make a longer story shorter, he ended up writing four letters. Now, I'm not saying you have to do this to everybody, but this was a really hot issue for him. This was a very significant relationship. And by the time he got down to the fourth letter, he was apologizing for the way he was responding to the cousin. 
he was looking at what he could have do differently, how he could take personal responsibility, how he was causing the problem in the first place. He really started identifying that he was the problem instead of just pointing the finger. And it was amazing to me. And I said to him when he got that done and he read it in front of the class and the class was blown away by what a transition he took over a two month period. That's how long it took for him to get these four letters done. Cause I just knew it was a process that he had to go through. And then I said, now you may never ever send him that letter, but now you have what's in your heart and in your mind that you need to have to have a different kind of conversation with him. He went off to college and he called me and said, I'd love to get together with you for lunch. And so like a year later, and he happened to be going to school in Florida. And I was down there in Florida and we went out to lunch. And I said, did you ever send that letter, a follow-up letter to your cousin? And he said, no, I never did. I never felt I had to, but it totally changed my relationship with him. And we get along great now. And I thought, wow, that was a powerful testament to what you were talking about just a minute ago to how important it is that we take a look at that and decide where our mischief is in it and make some new choices and come to a place where we're more grateful instead of being so mad or angry and hateful, which is all those feelings that he had. And he really didn't want to hate his cousin. It upset him that he hated his cousin. However, that's what was happening. And when he was able to make these transitions, he never ever sent any of those letters to his cousin but it changed the way he was in relationship with him. That is transitioning from the red side of the dichotomy to the blue side of the dichotomy in a very eloquent way. Would you agree? Yeah. It seems like in a lot of circumstances, like especially on like a complaint gratitude dichotomy, the habitual default is to go to complaint. Like, but in a way, a lot of times that is legitimate concern. Like, you know, you feel slighted, you feel let down, you feel betrayed. You know, you feel like I'm in a catch 22. I feel stuck. This isn't moving forward. Like I wanted it to, this person is really frustrating. And this person seems to lack character and to be honest with yourself. Sometimes, you know, you're honestly, honestly complaining, but that doesn't mean you can't contain that. You can have those real angry feelings. But the question is, are you on your way to gratefulness and practicing containing that frustration? Or are you just constantly spewing complaints? You know what I'm saying? So it's like a part of this process. It's like you can be spewing complaints or you can just internalize and contain your complaints and journal about them or you can journal about your complaints but also journal about the things that you're grateful for and those are all steps down the continuum towards that new habit of the blue behavior of the grateful you know i think many of us can recognize times in our life where we go back and look at and say you know this person maybe a years ago was trying to get us to look at things differently. We just took us forever to get there. And I'm thinking of one of those when there's a gal that worked for me years ago, as a dental hygienist, her name was Joan. And what was so neat about her, what I think so fondly back at her is this is 25 years ago. So this was at a time when I was pretty red in my behavior. I was complaining, critical, 
blaming everybody else for the problem. And I hadn't really started my transition. But she taught me something very interesting. Whenever I started complaining about anything or anybody or a staff member or something, she'd say, well, you know, look at it this way. You know, they're doing this and they've got a lot going on. And she always would try to put a positive spin on the person. I'm complaining. I'm being critical. I'm throwing out gossip about it. And she's just turning around every time. It didn't matter who it was. She was going to say something nice about the person and put a positive spin on whatever I had to say. And I would just say, Joan, the problem with you is you're just too nice. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, the problem with you, Ray, is you aren't nice enough. And it, <laughs> it took me a long time. I lost count of how many times I told her she's just too nice. But it's that saying something nice no matter what, recognizing the admirable qualities in a friend or another person and openly expressing that. And she really did that. And it took me a long time to recognize how that could benefit me. I saw maybe how it benefited her, but I didn't see any benefit at the time. But it took me a while to figure out how it could benefit me. And it feels impossible you know, yes. that someone could be that enthusiastic and up with that positive attitude all the time. Yeah, you want to say, get real. Come on, just get real, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> And what she was really saying to me in her own subtle way was, you need to become real and more authentic and more caring and more sensitive to other people and how they feel and start looking at the positive side of people and start looking at what things you can be grateful for. And I'm thinking, oh, man, it took me a lot of years to figure it out. I had to write a book about it to really solidify my thoughts on it to where I now really understand it. But I had these little hints a long time ago and Joan was just one of many people in my life that gave me a perspective that at first I resisted, but over time it won me over to be more positive, get rid of the negative self-talk, get rid of the negative feelings about people, find ways to edify people, find ways to lift them up. So I want to talk about right now this. Sometimes you need to have a conversation with somebody that you just, you really know that they need to make a shift and you're bothered by something. And this is what I've learned to do. Instead of being critical about that person and attacking them and just talking behind their back about how negative they are or how they need to do this and how they need to do that, what I've decided is, you know, it's none of my business to do that. However, if I care enough about the person and I want to stay in relationship with the person, I can get their permission. I can have a conversation. It goes something like this. Mary, hey, there's something that's bothering me. And I, I've been wanting to talk about it. I just don't know how to talk about it. I would just want to know if I have your permission to just be candid about some things I've observed. You know, and then she said, well, yeah, tell me about it. And it has to do with this way you're responding to this other person or the way you're handling the situation with your son or your daughter or with your father. But if you're willing to have a conversation, I'd like to talk to you about it. That gives you an opportunity to go into the conversation because they've actually invited you in. So what I try to do is I set up a patient or a friend or another person so they invite me in. I, you know, I say, hey, can I share this with you and tell you my perspective of this? And if they say, yes, I want to hear your perspective. Now, instead of hearing it as a criticism, they hear it as a suggestion. Then sometimes when you present a suggestion to the other person, if you can do it in a more sensitive way, if you can do it without you know, throwing them under the bus, if you will, or throwing anybody else under the bus, 
you can have a fruitful conversation and really bring about and be a, a wise counsel to another friend or another person that can have a great outcome. So it isn't that when we talk about never having these kind of conversations with people that you know that you see things that they need to change, you still need to have those conversations, but you just need to approach it differently and to approach it as a friend, as a wise counsel, getting permission, asking questions, making sure you don't step across the boundary that could offend. And sometimes those conversations can be very, very beneficial. Yeah. I once had a counselor tell me the word fighting, use the concept of fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. And fighting is not always aggressive or violent necessarily. And that avoidance in a lot of circumstances to walk away or to avoid is not the answer. And fighting isn't necessarily always being combative, but it's taking a stand and not turning and walking away. And she pointed out to me that, you know, sometimes you have to have a very real conversation and get to the meat and potatoes of what's going on in a relationship. And that's fighting. That's standing up and not shying away. That's standing up for what you believe. That's standing up for the love that you feel for that other person and the desire that you have to see them grow and improve. So you have to, I guess, have an arsenal of concepts and idioms and things that you can say in that conversation so that you're having a productive interaction and still you're standing up for what you believe in. And you're not fighting per se, but you're not flying either. You're not running away. You're not avoiding. And you got to do that sometimes. You have to stand up. And sometimes, you know, if your way of fighting is to have a really good conversation, a really real, heartfelt conversation. There's scarcely a situation that I can think of where there wouldn't be a benefit in that. Well, you're talking about uh, what does it take to have a healthy discourse. And discourse can be either healthy or unhealthy. And that's also a dichotomy. Having healthy discourse would be a blue behavior, and having an unhealthy discourse would be a red behavior. And one of the things that we see in these kinds of discourses, when you have these kinds of issues that you have a difference of opinion, you don't feel the same way, and you know you don't feel the same way. But to go into the conversation to say, let's begin by agreeing to have the conversation, and if in the end we agree to disagree, that's fine. However, one of the things I'm going to avoid doing, and hopefully the other person avoids doing, is start throwing ad hominem attacks at the other person, where they label them and call them an idiot or stupid or even something worse. And those kinds of words can end those kinds of civil discourses, those conversations that can be fruitful and helpful in the end. So I think supporting the other person by saying some positive things to them and edifying them for the qualities you see in them, and then have a conversation about things that might be taken away from their shine, if you will, 
And these are some of the things that you might want to consider because they take away from your shine. They take away from your brand. They take away from the person you really would like to be. And if you have a good friend has the ability to convey that in a healthy way to the other person and have a very comfortable conversation about that. And then sometimes it's just a matter of that you guys have a difference of opinion, but respect each other's opinion and have that conversation. So I respect your opinion. Hopefully you respect mine. Let's just let it all hang out and continue on. And over time, we both can learn something from each other. And I think that's a healthy thing to have occur. And oftentimes, compromise is the best answer to these things, where each of us give a little bit, and then we can stay in a healthy relationship, one that still affirms both parties. Yes, I agree with you, Brian, that sometimes fighting is basically saying, don't walk away from a constructive debate. You always have loved debate. You're a great debater. And that's basically what you're saying. I'm going to present my side of the story, but do it in a healthy, friendly way, a way that doesn't diminish the other person. There's an art to that. And it's important. Yeah, and the art of that is really outlined in the dichotomies that you outline in Ride the Elephant, really. I mean, we kind of focused in on gratefulness there as a really beneficial blue behavior. And you bring that into a conversation and you can just watch it work wonders, but there's a list of other dichotomies. And if you stop bringing the red side of that dichotomy into your fights, into your conversation, you're using the wrong weapons. You're using tactics that are only going to backfire. But if you bring blue behavior, a blue attitude, humility, personal responsibility, love, you bring the blue behaviors to a conversation, it's going to be very different. Very much so. And that's really what we're asking the reader of Ride the Elephant uh, Journey to Success to consider. We're really asking everyone on this call to consider is how they can decide where they are on these dichotomies when they go into a relationship with another person. What's the position I'm taking? What's the attitude I'm taking into it? What opinions have I brought to the table? Am I here to support the other person and lift them up, or am I here to take them and tear them down? And I think it's just a matter of making that decision. And oftentimes we go into these relationships that you talk about without any thought to it at all. And then we just walk away and we say, boy, that didn't go very well. You know, chaos occurs, anger occurs, bitterness. There's, I'll never talk to that person again. I never want to see that person again. And it's like, really? If we were just more intentional on choosing to stop that red behavior and just put a check on it, say pause and say, hold on, let me try this other thing on. And certainly today our focus has been trying on gratitude and just see how much of a difference that makes. And as you said, Brian, the book is all about choosing those different dichotomies or where we fall on those dichotomies. If we can find ourselves being more blue we're going to have more success in our relationships with other people and better relationship with our friends. So, Brian, I want to thank you for participating in this conversation about a very sensitive subject. Hopefully this has been helpful to everybody. Do you have any final thoughts, Brian, as we close? I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you and that I got really, really lucky to have a dad like you. Well, that's very sweet of you to say, and I appreciate that. And 
it's taken me a while to figure out how to be a better dad. And I always wasn't a blue dad. I'm a little more blue now than I used to be. And I think you probably are aware of that. And you're very kind not to bring up when I was such a red dad. And <laughs> pointing out to when I'm a blue dad. So I appreciate that. So thank you so much, everyone. And we can all have a better relationship with our families and our friends. And please consider what we're talking about here today. And join us again next week for another conversation around Ride the Elephant today. Thank you again, Brian. And have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time. Dr. Ray McKinley is a speaker, author, and coach. In his new book, Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success, Dr. McKinley addresses the crisis in personal leadership and what you can do about it. Thank you for joining us today. Your feedback is important to us, and we'd like to hear from you. Email your comments and questions to ray at raymckinley.com. Join us next week for another informative podcast with Dr. Ray McKinley. Have a great week. 